it's me again. Surprise. How's everybody doing this morning? Why don't you guys pray with me again so we can allow the Holy Spirit to intervene in what I'm going to talk about. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege to deliver your word. Help me to deliver your word accurately. Help me to deliver your word humbly. Pray that you open up our hearts and our minds to what you're going to teach us today about the story of Saul. Father, help us to take what we learned today. Help us to plug in what we learned today into every aspect of our life. I pray that you mold us, that you change us, and you transform us today and every day as we allow your Holy Spirit to move inside of us. Father, help me to have intentions that would glorify you as I deliver your word. We stand in awe of your presence. Amen. So there was a runner in the 1992 Summer Olympics in Barcelona named Derek Redmond. He was competing in a semifinal for one of the 400-meter events. He was doing pretty good for most of the race. He was about 250 meters from finishing, and his hamstring gets messed up. He starts hobbling for a little while, and he eventually falls. You see, in this life, we're running a race. Hebrews 12.1 says that we have this race that's marked out for us, and we need to run it with perseverance, and we have to throw off everything that hinders. But we're going to fall in this race. And sometimes, we're going to fall hard. We are in week 10 of the story this week. We're going to look at Israel's first king. This was a king that was standing tall, but he would also fall hard a few times, and he would fall hard miserably. We're going to go into the period of the last judge. His name was Samuel. Samuel was a very godly man. He was a prophet. But he was getting old in age. And he delegated a lot of his leadership to his two sons. But his two sons weren't godly like Samuel was. You see, Samuel's two sons accepted bribes. And they perverted justice. And the elders of Israel got fed up with Samuel's two sons. So the elders of Israel come to Samuel they say, Samuel, we want a king. We're tired of your two sons and all their antics. You see, every other nation has a king. Why can't we have a king like every other nation? Samuel was furious. Samuel went to God, and God said to Samuel, don't take it personal that the Israelites want a king. They're rejecting me as their king. They're not rejecting you as a leader. And so God goes on to tell Samuel, okay, we'll give Israel a king, but there's going to be some stipulations. If they want a king so bad, most of Israel is going to be a servant to Saul in some way. The sons will be making military equipment, or they'll be making chariot equipment, or they'll be officers. 
The daughters will be perfumers or cookers or bakers. 10% of your grain and 10% of your livestock will go to Saul. Saul will take your best servants. Saul will take your best cattle. So there's a lot of strings attached with this new king. And God told Samuel that the Israelites will probably be fed up with this way of leadership. And God told Samuel, if the Israelites get fed up with this kind of leadership, they're going to come running to me, and I'm not going to listen. Because I warned them. So God chooses a Benjamite, anointed by Saul, anointed by Samuel, named Saul. This Benjamite stood a head taller than everybody else in Israel. He's one of the most handsome men in Israel. So he looked like he could fit the part pretty well. He became king when he was 30 years old. He reigned for 42 years. But even though he looked like this handsome man, even though he stood a head taller than everybody else, he had a lot of internal issues. He was very impatient. He struggled with jealousy. He was very impetuous. And you would see his impatience, and you would see his jealousy, and you would see him being impetuous throughout his reign. We're going to look at two instances where Saul's impatience and his jealousy and his impetuity were at its height. In one instance, Saul is told that his offspring will not be able to reign. In another instance, Saul is told that he won't be king much longer. We're going to turn to 1 Samuel 13, starting at verse 5. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of beth Aven. When the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. 
You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people. Because you have not kept the Lord's command. Then Samuel left Gilgal and went up to Gibeah and Benjamin. And Saul counted the men who were with him. They numbered about 600. So we see one instance of Paul being impatient. Paul being impetuous. And Paul being prideful. Let's go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15. Start at verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Malachites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Malachites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Let's jump to verse 7. Then Saul attacked the Malachites all the way from Avila to Shur, to the east of Egypt. He took Agag, king of Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Let's jump to verse 26. I'm giving you guys a Bible workout. I figured I wouldn't kill you guys. Good for the body and the soul. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe and it tore. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. So we see another instance of Saul being impetuous, being impatient, and having pride. In the first instance, we see Saul being crazy impatient because Samuel hasn't shown up at the appointed time. And Saul's freaking out because he sees the Philistine army, he sees half of his army scattering. And his pride gets the best of him, and he decides to take matters into his own hands. He says, give me the sacrifices. I'm tired of waiting around. I know what's best in this situation. And because of Saul's disobedience, his offspring do not get the opportunity to reign in Israel. In the second instance, we see Saul's impatience, his pride, and impetuity because he doesn't follow instructions as far as what he's supposed to destroy the Amalekites. 
He doesn't totally destroy everything from the Amalekites. Paul thinks he knows what's best. Paul thinks that if he keeps a little bit for himself, that he'll flourish. He'll take off. And he'll be able to show all these great possessions to bring glory to himself. And because of his disobedience, his reign gets cut short by word of Samuel. You see, impatience, impetuity, and pride can really cause you to fall. But I think that the root of falling is pride. The root of falling is pride. We look at uh, Proverbs sixteen eighteen. We see what, what pride does to somebody. Some of you guys have probably heard this verse since you were four years old, but we're going to bring it out of retirement. It still has a lot of validity today. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Our pride is the root of falling. Everything springs off from pride. We think we know what is best a lot of times. We want to use our own strength. We want to use our own wisdom. We want to use our own abilities. Even though God's wisdom and God's strength and God's abilities are ten times more than anything we can imagine, we still think our way is better a good chunk of the time. Because we're prideful. A lot of times we don't want to accept that somebody's strength and wisdom and abilities are better than ours. Paul didn't want to accept. Sorry, Saul didn't want to accept that his strength, his wisdom, and his abilities were nothing compared to God's. And he decided to take matters into his own hands. And he ended up losing his kingdom and his offspring didn't have the opportunity to reign. First Corinthians one twenty five says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Isn't that crazy to wrap your mind around? That the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. The foolishness of God is wiser than the height of man's wisdom. And we think we have everything figured out half the time. But God's foolishness is still above our wisdom at its greatest. You see... 
There's times where we're not dealing with a lot of pride. And we think life is going good. But then we don't keep watch. And we don't take the necessary precautions to make sure that we don't fall. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 10 verse 12 says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. A lot of times, you know, we're not struggling with pride. And we're standing firm. But it's not long before we have the opportunity to fall and to fall hard. Are you using the accountability that you can get? Are you staying rooted in the Word of God? Are you spending time with God? Are you staying connected to that vine that is Jesus Christ to make sure that you're constantly standing firm? To make sure that you're constantly keeping watch so that you don't fall. Because it can take a split second for something to cause us to fall. What are you doing to prevent that? I didn't finish the story about Derek Redmond. You see, Derek Redmond fell on the ground. But he wanted to finish that race. He wanted to finish that race badly. So he started hobbling on the track. And his father was in the stands. So his father came from the stands, and he went through security to run the race with his son. And Derek leaned on his dad's shoulder, and they finished the race together. And there were 65,000 screaming fans that were applauding them for finishing this race. You see, we're going to fall. It's just a matter of when. And there's good news. And if we do fall, we have a Heavenly Father that can pick us up. And we have a Heavenly Father that can run this race with us if we just lean on Him. By the grace of Jesus, from His gift on the cross, we have forgiveness. And with forgiveness, we can get back up. We can run that race. Christ can lift us up. Christ can run that race with us. And if we fall again, Christ will pick us up. If we allow Christ to pick us up. If we admit that we mess up and we ask for forgiveness. The road is short for some of us. The road is long for some of us. But you are going to fall, and sometimes you're going to fall hard, just like Saul did. Whether you're four feet tall or ten feet tall, you're going to fall. And that's all for rhyming. That's all I got. But I just want to challenge you guys to watch your pride. Pride is the root of all falling. 
And when you're standing firm, are you making sure that you're doing everything to stand firm? Are you reaching out to accountability? Are you staying rooted in Scripture? Are you spending enough time with God? Are, are you staying connected to that vine that is Jesus Christ? Why don't you guys pray with me? Father, we thank you again for uh, allowing us to worship in this place. You're a mighty and awesome God. And even if we fall, we know that you're right there to pick us up and run this race with us. This race isn't easy. But with you, it's a lot easier. Help us not to be like Saul, who is so rooted in pride. Saul was so rooted in relying on in his own abilities and strength and wisdom. And he would fall hard because of it. Bless the rest of our time of worship, Jesus. As we worship tonight through a lifestyle worship. We love you and praise you.